good Sunday afternoon. It's Jim Hurdle, and this is uh, the Last Storyteller podcast, and trying to videotape this at the same time, and, and as we go along this morning or this afternoon, I should say, maybe you'll get a better idea of what's going on. But it's all new for me, so bear with me if there's any kind of glitches or anything. You know, there's something magical about stories and storytelling. For a finite amount of time, a good story will carry the reader or the listener to an infinite number of destinations. The story will introduce the reader to imagined friends and foes of whom you would never really cross paths with in the world of humdrum reality. The storyteller will laugh with you and cry with you. It will confuse you and enlighten you. And all through the story, in its two-dimensional world, the story will never know you or remember you, the reader, the listener. But you, well, you will never forget a good story. I wrote my first story when I was in the fourth grade. I called it The Haunted House. There was a, a question mark following the word house. It was a childish attempt at writing a horror story. Now, in fourth grade, everything, everything possesses the power to frighten one. There's a horror story combined with a superhero kid. Now, he didn't believe in such silly things as haunted houses. And his determination to once and for all answer the question, haunted or not haunted. It was a terrible story. But I managed to earn a B-plus from Mr. Johnston's red pen. Now, in the eighth grade, while attending Mark Twain Middle School in San Antonio, what better name for a school for someone who was inspiring to be a writer than Mark Twain Middle School? I wrote a story called The Bullying Ground. The Bullying Ground was my first attempt at writing in the first-person voice. And it was a story with elements of truth that were grown in my own garden. Mrs. Schmidt, or Miss Schmidt, my English teacher, with her red pen in hand, had graded it a C+. See, the story was incomplete. I hadn't finished it. I had run out of time before the, the due date. But it's not the C plus or the lessons of, of procrastination that enraptured my young mind. It was her note at the end of the story. See, Miss Schmidt wrote, You need to finish this story. I want to read the rest. That was a long, long time ago. Forty years later, I finished the story, The Bullying Ground. It was as part of the, the last storyteller collection. Now today, I've written enough short stories to declare to you that I cannot tell you how many stories there are. My stories are born out of thin air. Morning moments that, that, uh, that come from my back porch where with coffee in one hand and usually a cigarette in the other, don't shame me, it's my only vice. I explore the world around me. 
sometimes, sometimes a thought surfaces just out of the darkness. And I'll ask that thought, where did you come from? And where are you going? The genesis of the short story, uh, uh, what was it? Uh, oh, yes, the neighbor killed my cat. It was That's part of the uh, Red Dress Night collection, if you're interested. The neighbor killed my cat. The genesis of that story came from watching an orange tabby cross through my backyard, totally ignoring my presence. Other stories I've written have stemmed from real-life experiences. The experience itself was rarely enough to, to make a good story. But they served as fodder for embellishing and creating words which hopefully would end up as a good story. Michael's Chair is one of those stories. At the time I wrote the story, I was going through chemotherapy. I had gotten diagnosed with colon cancer, stage 3 colon cancer. And weekly I'd go into the, into the doctor's office and sit in a chair and, and let the poison go through my body. Well, the empty chair and the tattooed man and the attitude of one of the nurses there uh, that I experienced as I was going through uh, chemotherapy, they were all real. Right? But that's it. The rest of the story wasn't. You see, in reality, I never spoke to the tattooed man. I didn't know his name or his fate. But writing Michael's chair took me away from a world that I was living through. If only for a brief moment. It was also the most commented upon story I've ever written, Michael's Chair. Now, I've used this platform to share some of my stories and poetry with an unseen audience. If you've been part of that, well, thank you. Now I'm going to ask for your indulgence over the next few weeks as I change the format of our time together. You see, I've, I've, uh, I've entered a season of my life that will become uh, well, clearer to you probably me, uh, over the next few weeks. I am compelled to share with you more than a, a story or a poem. Although I suppose when you peel back all the layers, this too is, is going to be a story. I call it the last story. I'm prepared to share with you today something that I wrote several years ago. It's not a story, but it was my bucket list. And you can probably guess as to when I chose to write a bucket list, right? I'm 65 years old, and, and I don't feel 65. I probably don't act 65. God knows I look 65. But um, I didn't know when I wrote that bucket list that, that I would make it to 65. And every year since writing that, I go back and I revisit it and, and I update it, usually around my birthday, which is in September. I'm going to use this bucket list to launch this new season that lies ahead of us. I pray that you'll, you'll stay with me during the next few weeks. You know, because I, well, I really hate talking to myself. The bucket list is a story that I have, like I told you, shared every year for what's well, been more than a decade. And every year that I read it and reread it, 
I make an adjustment or two. I didn't today. I just I pulled it off my off my out of my computer's archives and read it, and I thought this is a good way to start this new season. So let me read it to you. Sit back and listen. I turned 65 years old today. I had a thought early this morning. What if this is my last birthday? What if 65 is all I have? Throughout the day, I pondered over my bucket list. You see, there wasn't much pondering. I've never really had a bucket list. So the task, 12 years ago, on my 53rd birthday, 12 years, wow, was to create a bucket list. I scratched my head and put teeth marks in the proverbial pencil as I mused over what would be number one on my list. Minutes and then hours passed with nothing, nothing coming to the surface. So I changed my strategy. I thought about the things I've already accomplished or been blessed with. Things that may have been on a bucket list if I hadn't already experienced them. Family always comes first to mind. I was born in the most incredible family. Six, oops, sorry about that. Didn't mean to knock the camera crazy like that. I told you there'd be some kinks in this. Where was I? Oh, family, yes. I was born in the most incredible family 65 years ago. You know, I still see them every week. We still talk and we still hug and we laugh and we cry together. We grow old together. Last year, mom went home to be with our Lord. I miss seeing her. But when I'm, when I'm with my sisters, it's, a, it's like, well, it's like mom is right there with us, urging us on. I've lived in the great Northwest, the South Pacific, the East Coast, and of course the great state of Texas. I fished for rainbows in the Russian River and I went snorkeling along the coral reef. I've left my footprints in the sands of Hawaii, Hawaii's North Shore, and boot, boot prints, I should say, boot prints in the frozen snow of Alaska's North Pole. I had hair past my shoulders longer than what it is now, and I was called a hippie. I, I might have returned to that lately. Um, it's long, but it's certainly not as thick. I've served my country, and I've been called a U.S. Marine. I went to school with Mark Twain and Thomas Edison and tasted college for a short while. I read Tolstoy, Dickens, Stephen King, and the Bible. I've eaten at the Ritz-Carlton and Taco Bell, both on the same day. I've had money in the bank and I've had cold, and I've had money in the bank and I've sold Coke bottles, sold them. You used to be able to do that, to scrape up enough money to buy a pack of smokes. I've had cancer, chemo, and misery. I've had remission, recurrence, rejoice that I'm still alive. I've been high, oh, and I've been low. So low that all I could see was the bottom. 
I've run marathons and I've crawled across the cold floor on hands and knees, unable to stand because of the pain. I've gone from a 34 waist to a 38 waist and back to a 34 waist, and it's okay to applaud right there if you want. My favorite teams have won the Super Bowl, the Stanley Cup, and the World Series. I've watched a perfect game and I've caught a foul ball. I've listened to Vivaldi, Miles Davis, and ZZ Top all on the same afternoon. I've tasted Opus One in Napa Valley and drank a Lone Star beer with Willie Nelson and Mickey Gilly while sitting in a bar called The Recovery Room. I've seen every episode of Seinfeld at least three times. I've published a novel, a short story, and I have tucked away in the back of my imagination the great American novel. I've fallen in love and out of love. I've made love on a beach and on a mountaintop. I've had two wives, two ex-wives and six children, maximizing the limit on both of those. I was with four of my children when they took their first breath. I was with my father when he took his last. You see, I've done everything I want to do, almost. At the end of the day, my bucket list only had one thing written on it. You. I figure if you're reading this or listening to these words, and I've at least met you somewhere along the way. And I don't know if I've ever told you the story about a man named Jesus. You see, he's the reason I made it to 65. I know without him, I wouldn't be here today. Now you could stop listening and you could turn it off. But I want you to listen just a little bit longer. You see, on my bucket list, I wrote one thing. Today, tell someone about Jesus. I think that someone, I think that someone might be you. See, God loves you and me so much. He has since the very beginning of time. God knows everything from the beginning to the end, everything, every day, and everybody by name. He knows your name. God knew that we would never, that we would never love him the way he loves us. He knew that until we loved him, until we loved him as he loves us, that we would be separated from him forever and ever. But we can't love like that. See, we can't love like that because, well, quite honestly, we're hooked. We're addicted. We're in love with sin. <laughs> I'm not going to preach about sin against it to you. It'd be a waste of my time and yours. You see, because God took care of that. He sent his son down from the heavens. He sent him down from heaven, from the throne, next to him. Powerful. And he sent him down here to the earth, and he took on the form of man. He took on the same form that you and I have. In history, we call that man Jesus. We call him a teacher. We call him the king. We call him the Messiah. And then, well, and then we killed him. That's what we did. We nailed him to a cross. 
He came down here to do something for us. And we nailed him to a cross. But when he died, you see, he took away all the sins. Not only the sins of the people 2,000 years ago and before that, but the sins of the people today and tomorrow. He took away my sins and he took away your sins. He paid the cost in full. He paid the price of admission into eternity with a God who loves us, knowing that's the only way that we would be able to love him. And through the death of his son, he unhooked us. He set us free. And then, this is the incredible part, the part that still blows my mind. He said, listen, listen, Jim and John and Mary and Joe and Sue and all of you, listen to this. All you have to do is believe what I just told you. That God came down as man and he died on a cross. And he died that because he loved you and me so much that he paid the price. See, the Bible, I'm not going to go into a bunch of Bible teaching, I promise you. I do that every Sunday. If you want to hear Bible teaching, come to Trinity Baptist Church on Sundays and you can hear me teach there. But the Bible, it does tell us something. It tells us that the wages of sin is death. That when we sin, the only way to pay for that, to make restitution for that, is through dying. Well, we can't do that. But he did. And he says, all you got to do is believe this. And it's finished. If you, friend, if you were the only one in the world, if you were the only living creature on God's world and he had made you in his image, he would have done the same thing. He would have died for you. He would have died for you and he would have died for me. Do you believe that? Listen. Thanks for listening to my bucket list. Thanks for listening to this this short podcast. Or turned out to be longer than what I thought it was going to be. About 19 minutes long. And over the next few weeks, I want to spend time telling you about the last story the last story of the greatest man that ever lived and it's told by God the greatest storyteller that ever lived so stay with me even if you don't believe even if you don't want to hear it like I said I'm not going to be teaching a Bible study quoting verses I just want to tell you a story about a man named Jesus and what he did for you and for me. See you soon.